Jesus is not here tonight, it's a useless service. It's a useless service. You've come and spent and wasted your time. So we want to do what we can. Lord, come. Come live in me. Amen. Welcome tonight. You're the guest of honor in this place, in this sanctuary. Amen. Let's, uh, this is key of F, Brother Ben, the blood will never lose his power. I love this song, for it reaches to the highest mountain. Amen. We heard the power of the blood on, the, on Sunday. Amen. Let's sing it with... With all of our might, the blood that Jesus shed for me, oh, it was a way back on the for the blood that gives me strength from day.
Lord, they went forth into the fire and through the trial, that's when you came on the scene. Through the fiery, Lord, at times of their life, you came in the fourth man in the fire. Oh God, as we open this service in prayer, as we come into your courts with thanksgiving, we want you to know in the good times, we praise you. In the bad times, we praise you, Lord. So tonight, maybe someone's in a bit of a difficult moment. Tonight, they're in a low time, but may, oh God, their voice echo that song bubble up inside of them, Lord. That, Lord, it might have been a tough day, but Satan, I'm telling you tonight, I've come to the sanctuary of praise, and I'm going to give my Lord Jesus all the glory and all the honor. Heavenly Father, in this atmosphere, I pray, Lord, the saints around this world that are tying in, Lord, in the stateside, at their homes in Canada, could lift up their hands and say, Lord, I have a need, and I'm praising you this evening. I'm glorifying you. Lord, hear my praise tonight as I reach out, Lord, giving you, Lord, my heart, my burden. Lord, may you meet the needs of your people tonight. May the word come across this pulpit with anointing and power, oh God. Lord, we don't come to hear cunning devised fables. We don't come to hear some man's word. We come to hear the word of God and the word of God alone. So Lord, will you take your servant tonight. Lord, complete control. Break this congregation. Lord, any bonds that would set anybody back. May we be at liberty to praise you, Lord. Open our mouths to worship you, oh God. Lord, that's why we've come to this house tonight. Not to just sit in a pew, but we've come to worship the living God, King of glory tonight, Lord. Hear us tonight, I pray. Hear your worship, O oh God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We worship you, Lord. Receive the praise. Receive it, I pray, O oh God. In the name of Jesus Christ, we commit this service and all that would transpire into your hands, O oh God. Have your way. In Jesus Christ's name, have your way, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Move amongst us, oh God. Move amongst us, Lord. Deliver the lost. Save them, oh God. Break the bonds of the enemy, Lord. Hallelujah to your name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. We've come to praise Him. Hallelujah. We love Him. I love Him. I love Him. Amen. Well, you can have your seats. Philip, Philip, you want to just, you want to teach us that song? Yeah? Let's do that if you can. Yeah, why don't you do that? This is a song Brother Philip just was playing a few weeks, maybe a week ago, and it just just has such a lovely atmosphere to it. It's very simple. Uh, Brothers, it is on the words. It's called... um, Fresh oil, fresh oil. I believe it's in there. I'm praying it's in there. It was supposed to be in there. The words are fresh oil from heaven, flow with your power. As we stand in reverence, fill our hearts. Amen. Just simple. Go ahead, better fill.
that song fill our hearts amen as butter jean is going to come tonight 
preach the word. We're going to pull and say, Lord, fill my heart tonight. Amen. As we come in reverence. Maybe we'll just sing as better, better uh, Jean comes. We'll, we'll sing, Here I Am Waiting. I know maybe a song we haven't sang for a little while. Here I am waiting. Abide in me, I pray. Amen. Here I am longing, oh, for you. Mm-hmm. Hide me in your love, oh, just bring me to my More and more, sing that verse again. Ooh. And here I am waiting, oh, abide in me, I pray. Oh, here I am longing, I'm longing for you. Oh, our desire tonight lord to come live in us father father is such a sweet anointing in the sanctuary tonight lord may we come lay down all the burdens that we carry for god is here lord we thank you for this opportunity we have tonight to gather once more lord god to worship to bring our burdens before you lord god to make our needs known oh god that we may be able to receive something from you tonight father i pray oh god that you take your word tonight that you breathe life into the scriptures, O oh God, that it may become substance in the hearts of your people that have gathered tonight with needs in their hearts, Lord. I don't know their needs, 
You know their needs, Father, even better than they do, oh God. So I pray that you take the man aside, Lord God, that you may be able to speak life, that we can have an encounter with you tonight, for we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, musicians. Good evening. God bless you. Well, last time we were here and we, we prayed that it would be a one-time thing. Let's pray tonight that it will be just a two-time thing. <laughs> I am very conscious that uh, I have nothing to offer tonight but to, as Brother Tom was telling me in the back, to make way for God himself, to set myself aside, that God may, may, may be able to speak tonight, and that's my desire. And I believe we, we come to church because we have needs, right? And uh, it, will be, it will be a shame, really, to, to go back home with the same needs uh, and, and not have the, the opportunity to express them to the Lord and have God speak back to us. So you know your needs. I, I don't know your needs. Nobody here behind me knows your needs, but I, I guarantee you, if you come pulling and needing something of the Lord and believing you will receive it, then certainly God will receive it. Uh, God will give it to you and you will receive it. I'm not going to be bound by my notes. I'm just going to relax and let the Holy Spirit really have his way. So you really are able to have whatever you want tonight. Let's open our Bible and in the book of Isaiah chapter 55. We're going to read verse 6 and verse 7. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Let's turn also to Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to 16. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Another translation says, Therefore, see that you walk carefully, living life with honor, purpose, and courage, shunning those who tolerate evil, not as the unwise, but as wise, sensible, discerning people, making the very most of your time on earth, recognizing and taking advantage of each opportunity, and using it with wisdom and diligence, because the days are evil. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, the scriptures are indeed inspired. But the Lord has told us that the letter killeth, but the Spirit gives life. So I pray, Father, for the Spirit of God, whose presence we are in and we fail to unknown the words, O oh God, that they can become life in the hearts of the people. We once again commit ourselves into your hands, the hearers and the speaker. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you may be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may have your seats. Redeem the time. Redeeming the time, as we read in another translation, speaks about recognizing an opportunity and making use of every single opportunity we get. 
Our time on earth is made of moments. Uh, even soccer games, basketball games, it's made of moments. And usually when the, when the game is over, you remember the key moments of the game, or, or also known the highlights of the game. And you remember them, whether they were entertaining, whether it was a goal-scoring opportunity, whether it was a controversial call by the referee, but you remember a game by those moments. And our lives are defined by those moments. We're remembered at the end of our lives by those moments. And when we talk about something that's passed on you, you recall specific moments with that person. And the impression that we leave on people, those are moments that they will remember. So, when the Bible records Cain's life, nothing much is recorded about his life because there is really nothing worth recording beside that moment and the moment where he killed his brother or the moment where he rejected the mercy of God. So, at the end of Cain's life, his condemnation will not necessarily be about did he work, did he work hard enough on his garden or on the condition of his fruits, but what will condemn him were those moments. The moments that he had and what he made of it. The time and opportunity he was given and what he did with that opportunity. So in the service, like tonight, the word of God will come forth, and each person here tonight will have a moment. And we're all going to be given those moments in the, in the service tonight, and those are defining moments. Those moments are also called opportunities. And tonight, by the grace of God, I would like to speak on the hour of opportunity. And for a subject, I would like to speak on the value of an opportunity. An opportunity, by definition, is a set of circumstances that makes it possible to do something. It's an occasion or a situation that makes it possible to accomplish something that you wanted to do or something that you must do. Another definition, which, which is very remarkable to me, is it's a favorable juncture of circumstances. And the juncture speaks about a point in time. So there comes a point or a moment in time where circumstances are combined in a favorable way that gives you an opportunity. And an opportunity really depends on those circumstances. Those circumstances on their own are irrelevant. But when they combine at a specific juncture, it gives a room for an opportunity. An opportunity is also a favorable or appropriate or advantageous combination of circumstances. It's a time that's convenient and fit, or a situation that's fit, or a place that's fit, permitting to do something. And when you talk about the value of an opportunity, we're speaking about the importance or the worth or the usefulness that we, that we assign or that we put on that opportunity, how we value it. There was a shoe salesman, uh, there was a shoe company who sent a salesman a long time ago in some part of Africa. And he was there for two weeks and he wrote back to his company a letter saying, please bring me home, nobody wears shoes here. Then they sent another salesman in his place, and in a couple of weeks, he sent a letter back to the company saying, please send all the shoes you can. Nobody wears shoes here. So it's the same circumstances, but one had the eye to identify an opportunity and assign a value to it. 
he didn't just say, send 10 shoes. He said, send all the shoes you can possibly send, for he's put a certain value to that opportunity. Even though the circumstances were the same for both salesmen, one was able to identify an opportunity and take it. So the circumstances were the same, but one is able to identify the opportunity and see that value. And circumstances play an important role, but it's when they're combined in a favorable way. In other words, there, there is a market where there was a need, there was no shoes, there was a company, there was a salesman, and there was stock and inventory. Now, when you combine all those elements together, and all those circumstances together at a specific juncture of time, there's an opportunity that arises. So to really understand opportunities, you have to understand the circumstances. Uh, if brothers, you can st start the slideshow, the first slide, please. There's been multiple opportunities missed in, in the world. Yeah, the first one. Is it on? Yeah, there you go. Can everybody see that? No. Okay, we're good. Uh, who knows about Excite? Who has ever heard of a company called Excite? Who knows Google? Right? So when Google was founded, Larry Page and Sergey Brin, the founders of Google, after laboring on it in the first couple of years, they decided to sell Google. They went to a company called Excite, who also had a search engine and had a web portal, and they offered to sell Google for a million dollars. They negotiated a little on and reduced the asking price to $750,000. The CEO of uh, Excite's name was George. I for I'm forgetting his last name. I think George Bell, there it is. And uh, he said no. There was an opportunity to acquire Google for $750,000. And here, a man who is a CEO entrusted to make decisions, entrusted to recognize opportunities of investment, he didn't catch this opportunity and said no. Today, Google is worth $367 billion. And who knows Excite? Nobody. Next slide. Alexander Graham Bell, was, he had offered the patent to Western Union for $100,000 for the telephone. Today, it's, it's about $2.4 million in today's money. Western Union described the device as idiotic. It's, nobody will ever use that. Today, there's more telephones on the earth than people. Another opportunity that was missed. Next slide. Ronald Wayne, again, if I may ask you, who knows Ronald Wayne? Who knows Steve Jobs? Right? We don't remember Ronald Wayne. But he was one of the three founders of Apple. And in fact, he, had the one, he was the one with the most money as all the three founders. And he was the one who created the Apple logo that you see, the first logo, he was the one who created it. He owned 10% of Apple, but he feared because he was the one who had the most money, if the company went in debt, the responsibility would be upon him. So he decided to sell all his shares, the 10% stake, for $800. In today's money, it's $3,500. Apple is worth $2 trillion today. His 10% share, will be $200 billion today. This man is still alive, kicking himself every single day. <laughs> His children, when they read this, say, Dad, why are you like this? Why couldn't you seize that opportunity? 
So you see that throughout history and in business, in, in, in many circumstances, there are opportunities. We don't remember those who miss them. Remember those who take them. And taking an opportunity really is the best thing you can do because once you miss it, you can look back and regret. Today, Ronald Wayne is still alive and he's not known at all. His $800 that he got, I don't know why they bought with that, but today it will be worth $200 billion. So if you could turn back the clock, you can take off the slides. If you could turn back the clock and give this same man the same opportunity, I guarantee you they will take it. If Ronald Wayne today had the opportunity to go back in time and make a decision on whether to keep his 10% stake of Apple or not, I guarantee you he will keep his 10% stake. Because today he knows the value of the opportunity that he missed. But he cannot go back in time and make a different decision. But as for us, it's easier now when we're looking today to see why didn't this man make the right decision? Well, to be honest and to be fair, it wasn't quite easy to discern. Because Google, for example, was in the early stage of the company. There was some risk involved. Apple, the guy, Ronald Wayne, was in debt in the past. So he had some concerns about, if this doesn't work, I'm going to be in debt again. So there were some valid risks that perhaps they considered more than the opportunity itself. So when you make an opportunity in the business world like them, there are risks because they do not know how that opportunity will pan out. So it's easier to determine or to decide whether or not to take an opportunity if you know how things will play out. So the easiest opportunity that a man can make is eternal life. Because that is the easiest opportunity to identify because the outcome is guaranteed. So this is not a business where there's some risk involved where the company can go bankrupt. This is an opportunity where we already know how it's going to end. For God so loved the world that, is, that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him might receive eternal life. So you know that when the opportunity comes to receive Jesus Christ, there's no risk involved whether or not that's the right decision or not. Now you have the opportunity right now to make the right decision because there's records, there's history, there's a Bible, there are people who made the same decision as you and they can tell you what the outcome is. So if you invest, if you make the same decision they made, accepting the same opportunity they took, you will get the same reward they got. Amen. When it comes to an opportunity, there's an expression of window of opportunity or a door of opportunity. No matter what metaphor you want to use, it's always about something that can be open, that can be closed. So this conveys the thought that an opportunity can come and go. It can be accessible one moment and gone the next. Ronald Wayne today does not have the opportunity to keep his 10% share. Excite today doesn't have the opportunity to acquire Google. That opportunity came and it was gone. So there's a window, a time frame, a specific window where it's possible to, to uh, act upon an opportunity. And that is why we call you the juncture. So there's a point in time where all circumstances are combined and aligned so perfectly that opens a window. You have to take the window or it closes. Brother Benham says, there's a kidney trouble lady 
right back there with the kidney condition. You believe that God makes you well, lady? If you do, raise up your hand and accept it. Respond to God's call. You missed it. I will show you whether you missed it or not. It falls on this lady sitting right there with her handkerchief over her mouth. This lady sitting right there also had a back trouble. That's right, lady. Yes, sir. You just come from an operation, a cancer operation. That's right. Your name is Virginia. That's right. You're healed. Jesus Christ makes you well. You missed it, Mr. Anderson, because you did not respond. So the light moved upon a person. A vision broke forth. A window of opportunity opened up for a specific time frame. She didn't act upon the window. Within that window, the light moved upon somebody else. That window closed and opened somewhere else. That is how it is with an opportunity. When God will give you a window, if you do not take it, the light moves upon somebody else. A window of opportunity also called margin of opportunity or critical window is a period of time during which some action can be taken that will achieve a desired outcome. Once this period is over or the window is closed, the specified outcome is no longer possible. So you can only act within that window that you have. If you do not respond to the opportunity like that sister here, you miss your window. Can you bring up the, the video of the rocket launch, please? You just don't, don't play it, you can just bring it up. In, there's a window of opportunity or a, a, a window for a rocket launch. It's a period of time where a particular rocket must be launched to reach its intended destination. Usually it's just a few hours. If missed, you must wait for the next window. So if you can bring up the video and play it. What you see in the middle there, that's the sun, and that's in the blue trajectory, that's, that's the path of the Earth. And then the green, that's Mars. In purple, that's a rocket that was launched with a payload called InSight. As you can see, the Earth is rotating. Mars is also rotating. Nothing is static waiting. So you have a window. You, have, you can play it again. You have a specific window to launch that payload so that it can reach its destination. And if you follow the video, you will see exactly at what moment that payload arrives on Mars in green. So they line up perfectly because the rocket was launched within that window of opportunity. If you had missed that window, that rocket would not reach its destination. So you only have a few hours, and scientists, they work so hard to find the windows of opportunity. They call it orbital dynamics, where, where the conditions of the planet on Earth and the conditions of the atmosphere in space are so lined up in a way that makes launching a rocket possible. So they have to take those windows. And in some cases, one, some, some alignment of planets only happen once in 175 years. You have to take that window or you have to wait another 200 years. They're not going to be here. So the, it's so critical to do what needs to be done when you have that window. Planting and harvest. I think Brother, Brother Tim Dahl yesterday with the Bible study was talking about the former rain and the latter rain here. There is a window for a gardener where he must plant, where he must sow certain seeds to be able to receive a harvest. 
So if you miss the season, I, I, I have no idea what I'm talking about, by the way. I don't understand seeds and plants and when to plant strawberries or when to plant lettuce and tomatoes. But there's a season where to plant tomatoes. If you miss that window, you have to wait because they will not grow. The conditions will not be there anymore to be favorable for the growth of that seed. So you have to take your window. When it comes to reproduction, there is a window where a woman is fertile. If she doesn't receive seed in that window, you have to wait for the next window. When somebody has cardiac arrest, you have about three to four minutes to perform CPR before they go brain dead. So it's a critical window. As soon as somebody goes in cardiac arrest, you only have about three or four minutes. And you can continue 10 minutes after, but if you miss that window, it's unlikely to save that person's life. They'll be brain dead already. Because the only time that you're given to act is three to four minutes. So you understand it in nature, in science, everywhere you look, there are windows of opportunity that are given to us. But if you don't take those windows, what you wanted to do is no longer possible. After a woman's fertility window has gone through, you can no longer have a child. After this opportunity window is missed, NASA has to wait for the next one. So it's upon us to take every single window of opportunity that is given to us. An opportunity is a process. An opportunity doesn't just happen like that. You're like, I just stumbled upon this great opportunity. There's a process that's involved to bring about an opportunity. So it's a combination, as we say, it's a combination of multiple events, multiple circumstances. And when they, when they line up in a favorable way, that's what we call opportunity. But if we understood that it's not just a sudden appearing, it's a building up then we could maybe appreciate more what an opportunity is. For example, when we come back to, to the lady who missed her chance of being healed, it, it just didn't just happen and now she had an opportunity. No, somebody organized the meetings. Somebody paid for that building while they had the meetings. Some newspaper ads or posters went about the meeting. Somebody heard about it and decided to come to the meeting. There was a song leader who came and sang some songs. People worship in that service. A prophet preached. Then people say amen to the word. They responded to the word. An atmosphere was created. A prophet yielded to the Holy Spirit. People started praying and believing. And a light appeared in the room. And the prophet followed that light. It went upon somebody who believed. A vision broke forth. A window opened up. Then there's an opportunity. But there is a building up. There's a process, many things that happen to lead to that moment of opportunity. That is what happens in the service. When you come to a moment where you receive an opportunity, it just doesn't happen like that. Somebody prayed. Somebody fasted. On Monday night, somebody was praying. Somebody studied the word. Somebody yielded. Somebody called. Somebody put the thought together to open a window of opportunity. So if you understand all these circumstances line up, to give you an opportunity, tonight you will take your window. If you're mindful of an opportunity, then you're more likely to stumble upon one or to identify one. An opportunity comes to those who think about it. You're more likely to identify an opportunity when it's in alignment with what's on your mind. So if you're thinking about getting a car, then when an opportunity comes, to purchase a car, you'll more likely be able to identify it because that's in line with what you're thinking about. 
in, in the world, they seem to call it the law of attraction. But the scripture talks about this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 15, talking about Abraham who left his home. The Bible says, And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had an opportunity to return. So if Abraham, when he left his house, he left his family to follow the Lord, if he was constantly mindful, he was thinking about what he left, he would have received an opportunity to return. So people that leave this message, you know what they've been thinking about, what they're mindful of. Because their mind was on the things that they left, they got an opportunity to go back. And when that opportunity came, they took it. Because it's what they're mindful about. So if you're mindful of something, perhaps you need salvation and you're thinking about it. Lord, I need to be saved. Because you're mindful, you should be able to identify that tonight is your opportunity. Perhaps you need healing. You should be able to identify that tonight is your opportunity. Maybe you're thinking about your life, how down you feel. You know, Lord, I'm so down. I need comfort. Tonight will be your opportunity to receive comfort. Perhaps you're backslidden. You say, Lord, I need to come back home. I don't know how. Tonight is an opportunity. Because an opportunity is based on what you're mindful of. People must, might miss their opportunities. But I'll tell you about one man who doesn't miss his opportunities, and that's the devil. The devil will take any opportunity he gets. In Job chapter 1, you know the story. When the sons of God came before God, the Bible says Satan also came amongst them. The Lord asked him, have you considered my servant Job? He said, Job, really? There's a reason why he's like this. You've protected him, you've blessed him. Allow me. Allow me to go touch him. Thou hast blessed the work of his hand, his substance is increased in the land. But pull forth thine hand now, and touch all that he have, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thy hand. So you can touch everything he has, except him himself. Now here is the devil acting upon God's word, talking about taking God at his word. God told him that he could do it, he did it. So he went, the Bible says that he went and took his sons, his, his, uh, his substance, his animal, everything that he owned except his own life. Now, the devil gets a second opportunity. He comes back to God again. God says, fine, you can touch him, but don't take his life. The Bible says, and Job was covered from boys from the sore, from the sore of his feet to the crown of his head. Talk about taking everything you can. Talk about taking your opportunity. Since God told the devil that he could do it, he did it. So let's say that the devil wants to touch Job, and maybe an angel steps forward and says, don't touch him. He says, God said I can. The angel will back up. Because here is the devil acting upon what God said he could have. How about you? When God said you can have something, if the devil comes and says, what are you doing? You say, God said I can. And God told the devil concerning Job, all that he has is in thy power. But I want to tell you concerning God, that all that God is, is in thy power. You can have all that he is. If you want salvation, you can have it. If you want peace, you can have it. If you want holiness, you can have it. All that God is, is in thy power. If the devil can act upon God's word and take his opportunity, surely there's a church tonight that can act upon God's word and take every window of opportunity. Hallelujah. The devil is not shy or hesitant to seize an opportunity. The 
The sad thing about the devil is that he has an incredible ability to recognize an opportunity and take it. When Jesus was in the wilderness, after fasting for 40 days, he got hungry and tired. There's his window. He comes to tempt him. And after being overcome by the word, the Bible says in Luke chapter 4, verse 13, and when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. In the Hebrew it says, until an opportune time. So he departed until there'll be another opportunity. So the devil, the Bible says, he's always looking like, like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So while you're busy in life, the devil is every day putting his head, he has all his screens, looking to find an opportunity, constantly looking at all his, all his graphs and all his cameras, everything, where can I find an opportunity? And if the devil gets one, you better believe he's going to take it. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, and straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up in the mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. For the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. Four things here, or three things that you want to consider here in this, in this verse. Number one is that the disciples went without Jesus. Circumstances number one. And then Jesus went up on the mountain apart to pray. Circumstance number two. Then it was evening time. Circumstance number three. And Jesus was there alone. Number four, the ship was there in the midst of the sea. Now all the circumstances have combined. And the door of opportunity opens for the devil. If Jesus was still with them, maybe he would not have acted. If they were still on land, maybe he would not have acted. But because, one, they went without Jesus. Two, Jesus is away on the mountain. Three, it's now dark in the night. Now all these elements combine. There is a window of opportunity that the devil is able to take. Rabbi says, about that time, Satan looked up over the rim, and he saw the little boat out on the sea without Jesus. He thought, here is my opportunity. So it is tonight with every individual, with every church, with every member of the church, when Satan can see you alone without Jesus, it is his opportunity to smite you. And Brother goes on to say, the devil was looking at them on the boat, and he says, I've caught them alone. He's not with them. Now is my time to get even with them. That's the way Satan walks. That's the way he watches. That's the opportunity he waits for. The devil is looking at your life every single day, wanting to see if you're going to give him a window, if you're going to do something without the Lord, if you're going to go somewhere where God didn't lead you to go, if you're going to be disobedient. Whatever it is, he's waiting, watching your life carefully, waiting for an opportunity. And if you give him an opportunity, he will smite you. So tonight I say, don't give the devil any opportunity. Keep your home clean. Don't open filthy shows on the television. Give him a window of opportunity to come into your family. Don't be yoked with evil and with worldly people. 
Yes, it's fine to have friends, but don't, two people cannot walk together unless they agree. And before you know it, because of that atmosphere you're constantly in, the devil starts to see a window of opportunity open. You better believe he's going to take it. Satan patiently waited for all the circumstances to line up in a way that was favorable to achieve what he wanted to do, which was to destroy the disciples. And he will wait for you to reach your lowest point, and a window opens for depression. He will wait for you to reach your highest point, and a window for pride opens up. He will wait for you to go outside of God's will, then a window comes for him to do whatever he wants, because you are not protected when you're outside of God's will. And the devil will watch you disobey the Lord. And then the spirit of disobedience, which is the spirit of witchcraft, will come inside of you. Oh, I hate that spirit. Disobedience. To know what the Lord requires of you, but not to do it. So the devil is always able to see the juncture. That point in time where circumstances are favorable. And sometimes it pays off. The devil takes every opportunity he gets. Sometimes it's successful. Sometimes it doesn't. But a true son of God, when he recognizes an opportunity, it always pays off. Always. The devil can have 10,000 opportunities and you will take each one of them. Some you'll be successful, some you'll fail. But if you take 10,000 opportunities, every single time it will pay off. I'm not going to be long tonight. Judas had an opportunity. Brother, I'm saying he had the same opportunity as the rest of the disciples. But he wasn't convinced that that was the Messiah. Oh my. He walked with Jesus Christ for three and a half years. And he was never convinced that that was the Messiah. He came to church, service after service. But he was never convinced that the message was true. He came to church every single Wednesday, every Sunday, and every camp. But he was never convinced. If this was the truth, I tell you, if you're on the fence tonight, here's a window of opportunity. Come and be convinced that this message is true. Matthew chapter 26, verse 16. Then one of the twelve disciples called Judas went unto the chief priest and said unto them, What will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they covenant with him for 30 pieces of silver. And from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. He had the opportunity to identify Christ as the Messiah and to be convinced that that was the Messiah. But because he rejected that opportunity, he didn't take it. He wasn't sincere. He didn't desperately look for God to make that message real to him. He was okay with association. He was okay with fellowship. But down in his soul, there was never a real conviction about the message of the hour. Because he didn't take that window, the devil gave him another. And now the Bible says from that time on, he started looking for an opportunity to betray the word. Oh my, if you reject the opportunity to receive Christ, the devil will give you multiple opportunities to betray this message. Don't you betray this message. It is thus said the Lord. It is the word of God for this day. Don't you betray it. If you're not convinced, you better get convinced tonight. Don't put up for another service. You better receive truth tonight before you betray this glorious word. 
Imagine Judas. Jesus Christ is praying for the sick and he's looking. Do I have a window? No. The maniac of Gadara comes running to Jesus Christ for deliverance. Jesus is looking. That's not my window. Then he finds a window where Christ is praying in the garden. Then when he got his window, he took it. But all those years, instead of looking for an opportunity to receive Christ and to be convinced, he's looking for an opportunity to betray. Such as people today coming to church looking for an opportunity to criticize. Looking for an opportunity to be offended about something. So they might get a reason, an opportunity to leave. I was hurt because you were looking for an opportunity. And when you got your door, you left. The love of the world was seeing those people. When they got an opportunity, they took it and left. It was never about the message. It was never about the ministry. It was never about Brother Branham. It was what was in their heart. And when they got the opportunity, they took it. Those who left the prophet, they had their opportunity and they were looking for it. And when they got the serpent seed, there's my opportunity. Some other people in the Bible had opportunities. And they took it. Jacob, one night, had an opportunity with the angel of the Lord. He knew that he, life, he needed his life to be changed. He knew that he needed his walk to be changed. He knew that he needed a nature change. For he was a shyster, a deceiver, and he wanted his nature to be completely transformed. And when that night... A door of opportunity opened up, and the angel of the Lord came down in the scene. He said, I will not let you go, because this is my window of opportunity. The angel of the Lord told him, it's almost morning. This window of opportunity is almost closed. He said, I'm not done with you yet. I will not let you go till you fill me with the Holy Ghost. I will not let you go till you convince me of this message. I will not let you go till you change my life. You take your window of opportunity tonight. Oh, I pray that a window will open tonight and the angel of the Lord will come here and you can take your opportunity. Glory. I just got this in the back study just now. The maniac of Gadara. Mark chapter 5. This man that we know as Legion was possessed with demons. This man was possessed. And I'm talking about possession. So the demons controlled where he lived. They made him cut himself. They controlled his tongue because they spoke back to Jesus. And anybody who come to tame him, he beat them down. Not of his own strength, but demons. But the Bible says in verse 6, when he saw Jesus, hallelujah, when he saw that window of opportunity, he ran to Jesus Christ, the Bible says, and worship. How can a man who's demon-possessed be able to worship? Worship is a one-way, a two-way channel between you and God. When you begin to worship, even if you're demon-possessed, the devil cannot take control of your tongue. You'll be allowed to say glory to God. You'll be able to say praise the Lord. Because worship is between God and the elect. Even if you're demon-possessed, I don't care your situation. If you come to worship, when you see your window of opportunity, and you begin to worship, in that window, the devil can touch you. In that window, the demons couldn't control his tongue. In that window, they couldn't control his legs. He was able to run down, worship. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, my, that so strike me. Somebody who's so demon-possessed, but when a window of worship opens up, 
Demons cannot control him. After he finished worship, now the demons could able to speak again and say, what do we have against us, Jesus, son of the Most High? They couldn't speak while he was worshiping. They couldn't prevent him from going to Jesus because he has saw his window of opportunity. Oh my, simply worship. Worship. Worship him. It doesn't matter if you feel low. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. If you're able to worship in that window of worship, the devil cannot catch you. Glory. Oh, can we just worship him for a little bit tonight? Oh, praise the Lord. How worthy he is. He is worthy to be praised. He is worthy of everything, of adoration, of praise, of glories, of hallelujahs. In this window, all the demons that bind you have to flee. In this window, if you worship, Satan falls at your feet. In this window, all things are possible. Hallelujah. Glory! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. There was a man called Simon, the Pharisee, who wanted to have Jesus over for dinner. He sent his courier to go with a message for Jesus. And Brother Branham explains this scene so perfectly. This man runs, and he's on his horse, perhaps, and he's running to go see Jesus. And he sees the, the crowd, and he's pushing people, and he's looking for Jesus. And he sees maybe Peter. He says, sir, I have a message from my master for your master. Then he goes on to see Jesus, and he says, my master Simon would like to have you over for dinner. Jesus says, sure, I'll come. Jesus keeps all his appointments, Brother Abraham says. And then he says, oh, thank you. And he's so happy, gets back on his horse, riding back to his master to say, I found Jesus. He said he would be here. I've done my job. Brother Abraham said, what a foolish thing to do. He was standing before the prince of all princes, and he had an audition with him. He had an interview with the king of glory and failed to see his opportunity. Oh, my. He didn't catch what his opportunity was. See, he only came to do what his master asked him. But if he recognized who that man was, perhaps in his own life, he would have never had a chance to meet Jesus. But because of his master, he was able to go with a message to Jesus. That gave him a window for his own self. Perhaps the disciples would say, no, you can't touch him. But because he had a message from his master for Jesus, they let him go. Then he had his window of opportunity and left. Raven says, oh, I'd like to take his place. I'd like to get to Jesus sometime. I'll try, I'll try to go daily for your troubles, but never do I ever leave him when I'm in his presence until I worship him. Oh, my I've taken it upon myself just something between me and the Lord. When I see the back of every service, as soon as I begin to feel the presence of the Lord, I say, welcome. Because when I'm in his presence, I have to worship. When I'm in his presence and I recognize that he has descended, I have to let him know how I feel about him. And I will never leave the sanctuary or my room or wherever I am in the car when I feel his presence without worshiping him. You take every opportunity that you have to worship, to tell him you love him, to tell him how much it means to you. 
is in here tonight, then you can tell them that you love him. Don't be like that courier who can get in the presence of the Lord without taking an opportunity. I don't know what tomorrow is. I might not be here tomorrow. But as long as I'm in the presence of the Lord, I would like my last deeds, my final actions on earth, to be that in his presence, I worship him. Perhaps you are seeing a friend tonight. I don't know what the situation is, but even in your sinful condition, if you're in his presence, even if you don't feel it, I tell you, he is here. Because of that, you can worship him. That he can stand for you that day, say, even though he never received the Holy Ghost, in my presence, he worshiped and acknowledged me. Got to acknowledge him. Hallelujah. Salvation is very easy. It's the story of redemption. It's a story of windows of opportunity that every man took. Noah came with the ark, and there was a door. God sent the prophet. There is a door. And Brian Bonham says, when you receive the gift that God has sent in the day, it opens up an age of golden opportunity. But going to hell is harder than getting saved. Because for you to be lost, it means that every window of opportunity you rejected. It's not easy to do that. Right? Says, and today it's the same thing, the very same thing. We are given the opportunity because God cannot judge without first having or without first giving his warning. If you told a certain person going down the road speeding, stop and say there is a hole down the road there. If you continue to speed, you'll be killed. And they say, nonsense, I know what I'm doing. Then you see, the blood can be upon you because you have thoroughly warned them. Well, God does the same thing by his word. He thoroughly warns the people of oncoming judgment and shows his signs and wonders that's predicted in the Bible for that age. He shows them and the people just walk right over it. It's not easy for a person to go to hell. A man fights his way to hell. A man fights his way to hell. The first lie you ever told, you know it was wrong. The first cigarette you ever smoked, you know that was wrong. The first evil you did, you know that was wrong. But in your conscience, something told you it was wrong. But you continually ran through the red light, ran over the barricades. You're reckless. You want to do it anyhow to show that you're some big guy, huh? See? But remember, you fight your way to hell. It is not easy to go to hell. You have to reject truth. And I'm not preaching hell tonight to scare anybody, but I'm saying the way to hell is more difficult than the way to salvation. Salvation is one opportunity. You take it. Hell is rejecting truth over and over and over again. How many windows have you had? If you've been raised in the church for 20 years, I guarantee you've had a window at least every service. How many windows are you rejecting to fight your way to hell? You say that if I was in the days of Jesus, maybe I would have stood for him. But everyone says that you have, a more, you have more of an opportunity to stand for him tonight than you would have back in those days. Because the opposition today is greater than it was then. You say if I was with the disciples and I saw Jesus Christ in the flesh, surely I would have stood for him. 
But the opposition today, the forces of hell today against the truth are harder. There are more fears today than then. So if you serve God today and stand for him today, there is a greater opportunity than the disciples. What you have today is a much greater opportunity. Why won't you take it? Can you bring the last slide, please? Yes. These slides are questions that I found on, on the internet of people, regular people like you and I, who missed an opportunity in their life. Can you all see it? I'll let you, I'll let you read some of those questions. These are questions asked in different websites, different forums, of people who miss their opportunities. Can you bring it up here so I can see it, please? Okay, thank you. Somebody said, how do I deal with the regret of missing an opportunity? Somebody else says, how do you overcome blaming yourself for missed opportunities? How can I stop regretting for the mistakes I did and opportunities I missed in the past? I missed the job opportunity of a lifetime three months later, and it still upsets me. I also lost all motivation to apply for any other job. What can help me? What is the best way forward? How do you deal with regret and past mistakes in life? What, how do I deal with what could have been and missed opportunities? How does one make up or cope with the loss of a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity? I have made a mistake and lost a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I don't think I'll be able to do anything worthwhile in my life now. It sucks. What should I do? These are people, like you and me, who had opportunities in life and they didn't take it and regret sets in. And you don't go posting questions like that if you're not actually looking for help. These are people that don't know how to deal with the regret of not taking a window of opportunity. So with missed opportunities in this lifetime comes regret, self-blame, depression, sense of worthlessness, deep remorse and torment. But when this life is over, it's over, right? But when it comes to eternal life, those regrets will be what will fuel the lake of fire. Here are some other questions that some characters in the Bible would have asked if they had the internet. They're not on the slideshow, but perhaps Judas, after he betrayed Jesus, he logged on his computer and typed, I was called to be a part of the greatest ministry on earth, and for 30 pieces of silver, I sold my soul. How can I get over it? That was Judas. He couldn't get over it. He killed himself. Cain, after killing and rejecting God's provider away, and he had a mark and he was gone, cast away, perhaps he logged on his computer and typed, I had an opportunity to worship God once. He even told me how to be accepted, but I couldn't bring myself to obey out of pride. It's been many years now. 
I still see that mark on my forehead to remind me of this opportunity I missed. How do I get over it? He could never get over it. I once had a chance to be in the lineage of the Messiah, but I failed to see the opportunity of the birthright, and I sold it to my brother because I couldn't see the value of it. Since then, all the blessings and everything has flown through my brother, and I just can't stop blaming myself. What can I do? Perhaps your young rich ruler went and typed, I was a successful investor, and at a very young age, I had an incredible portfolio of real estate and businesses. I had the greatest opportunity of my life to invest in the policy for eternal life. The offer came directly from the offer of all life, and I just couldn't risk my other businesses. Since then, I've been depressed and tormented by this. How do I cope with this? How do I even find motivation to keep running my businesses? He ended up in hell. Now all these men, if only they could type and perhaps express how they felt, that's probably what they would say. But the saddest thing is that in hell, there's remembrance. And you have no chance at all to repent, but you remember the opportunities you've turned down. It's one thing to go through those questions for a couple of years, but it's one thing to have to endure them over and over and over and over again, being tormented by those windows that closed. Brother says, you say unto me, man, preachers, there's remembrance in hell. Jesus said there was. The rich young man that lifted up his eyes, he saw Abraham and Lazarus in his bosom, and he said, remember in your lifetime there is remembrance. And how the lost, what an awful thing that would be to know that the great meetings that they had set in and had heard the mighty sermons of the anointed ministers of God. And not only that, but to see the anointed signs and wonders that God had performed among the people. And then to remember all these warnings and be lost, it will haunt them forever. Not only have you seen what God has done in this age through a prophet, you've seen what God has been doing in this church. For the past few weeks, you've seen souls getting saved. You've seen people that were dead in sin for years being quickened back by the power of God. We've seen names on our prayer meeting board being affected, lives being changed. You've seen it. You've had service after service. You've had windows after windows. Do not take this window tonight. It will haunt you forever. There is a woman... A prostitute in the scripture that had her window of opportunity in closing. We heard about the courier who gave the invitation to Jesus Christ and he came to the feast. He came to that dinner. He came with dirty feet. There was nobody there to welcome him. Nobody there to clean his feet as it was custom to do. Nobody there to give him the softest uh, slippers, as Brother Banam will say. Nobody there to pour oil upon him to, to maybe help him with the heat against his skin. And then he went into the house to keep his appointment because he was invited. He was left in a corner and entertained. Jesus keeps all his appointment. Brother Banam says, you invite him to come, and then he comes. But when he comes, what do you do? Some have prayed for a move of God in the church. We have a move of God in the church. What are you doing? Some say that I need a fire of God in this church. We have the fire of God in this church. They have left. Some say I need to be in the presence of the Lord. We need God to move. The border is open. You have your opportunity. 
Now, this woman just happened to see that Jesus was there. Now, we talk about opportunities being a process. Simon was a Pharisee who had money. So when he was born, God watched over him. God helped him be successful in life. God prospered his businesses. God gave him a name and a reputation that he had friends amongst the Pharisees. Because God had in mind a prostitute. Now that prostitute bought an alabaster box from the store. God watched over that store owner. God gave him the inspiration to open a store. God prospered his business. God made him buy inventory so that he would have alabaster boxes available. For this woman, that opportunity that didn't appear out of nowhere, it was a process in the making. God prospered this person, that person, brought this one that way to bring all the circumstances to be aligned so that somebody might have an opportunity. You're not just here by accident. Somebody prayed. Somebody watched over your father. Somebody watched over your mother. Somebody called Brother Ed from Toronto to be here to open a church here. Somebody called a prophet and a messenger and sent him. Somebody called a ministry here tonight. Somebody put this meeting together. Somebody paid for this building. Somebody inspired this sermon. Somebody prayed the prayer you prayed. So that all these circumstances align tonight might be a window of opportunity for you. She sees Jesus by himself in the corner. And as we talked about, an opportunity comes to those that are mindful of it. So no doubt she's thinking. No doubt the previous day or the last week or the last month, she's pondered before bed. Oh God, why am I like this? Why can't I just overcome this? Why can't I get delivered from this depression? Why can't I not overcome this sin that so easily besets me? I want to serve you, but why can I get over this lifestyle? Why can I bring myself to a full surrender? Why can I separate myself with all worldliness and focus on you? And she's pondered and pondered. Why? And she was mindful. Because she was mindful, an opportunity came. And when she saw Jesus, she said, this is my window. She ran back home. She grabbed her little sack with money. She started counting by the and says, all the coins. And she stopped and said, oh no, he, he will certainly know how I got this money. He will certainly know how I got this money, but I, I can't go to him without anything. I, I have to offer something back. I have to give him my praise. I, I, I have to show how much he means to me. I have to show how much I value this opportunity that I've been given. And I have to do something. Okay, it doesn't matter. If he cast me away, then let him cast me away. But me, I have to take this door of opportunity. Oh, if sinners had that attitude, I will come to the altar. If he rejects me, he rejects me. But I will still come and take my opportunity. If I perish, I perish. Well, I need to go to see the king and take my opportunity. You don't even need any guarantee that Jesus will accept you. If he accepts you, it's by his mercies. But he has still given you a guarantee in the word that he will not cast you away. And she comes to the house of Simon. And Simon is having a good time with his friends. They can hear the wine glasses. They can hear the music. And she looks for Jesus and she sees him in the corner by himself. And she comes to him, falls down at his feet. She said, all my life, all my life I've been waiting for this opportunity. I've been waiting for this opportunity to be delivered from this spirit 
I've been waiting for this opportunity to have my life transformed. I've been waiting for this opportunity to finally surrender my life to Christ. I've been waiting for this opportunity to receive my healing. This was her opportunity. And she started crying. And she started weeping. Oh, Brother Branham says, if Jesus had moved one foot, it would have stalled her. And she would have run out of that place so fast, so quickly, he never moved. Brother says, sometimes you can get out of order. He will be okay with it. He will let you get out of order for a little bit. And he says, give us services where people can get out of order because Jesus will let you do it. The problem is that we are too in order. He let her do it. He let her weep. He let her cry. And she's repenting. And her tears are speaking volume. Oh, the Bible says our tears are bottled. He's bottled all our tears. And perhaps tonight, God has in his museum, Brother Michael and I fellowship around this. Perhaps in his museum, he has a bottle. And he goes by it and says, I remember this. Those are the tears of that woman. When she wept and washed my feet. It meant so much to him that he bottled her tears. And Brother Michael says, the tears of a repenting sinner are precious in his sight. Your tears of repentance are going to be bottled up. And you will carry this say, these are the tears of my son. When he came and surrendered his life to me. These are the tears of my daughter. Though she was plagued year after year. She took a window of opportunity. She wept and wept and washed his feet with her tears. And before you know it, her hair is falling down. And she starts to dry them with her hair. And she starts to kiss his feet and just worship. And saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner, but you're my opportunity. Whom have I in heaven or on earth beside thee? Oh, Savior, hear my humble cry. This woman was not the one who invited Jesus. Simon was the one who invited Jesus. Even though somebody else was the one to invite him, she was able to see her opportunity. You might be a sinner, perhaps you didn't pray to come to church today. And somebody else invited Christ to come in these meetings. Somebody else prayed and worshipped and invited the Lord to come back in this meeting. And the Lord came upon somebody else's invitation. But that doesn't mean that you cannot take advantage of that opportunity. She was not the one who invited the Messiah. Simon did. But she was able to say, regardless, this is my opportunity. Perhaps you came to church tonight not wanting anything about God. Perhaps you didn't care about why you came to church. But then Christ came and you're sitting in your window. Take it. Now think about this. What this woman is doing is so unusual. This is a dinner party. If there's a place to be more conscious of what you're doing, it'll be at a party with dignitaries, rich people, fancy dressed. That's why you, maybe you'll be self-conscious. What are they going to think about me? What are they going to say about me? Is this really the place to do this? But her, she didn't let any of that hinder her. But it's surprising that in church, we find it unusual to cry out to God. Where else are you going to cry at a party? That's what she did at a dinner party. She wept for repentance. This is, the most pros- this is the most adequate place to do what she did. She did it at a dinner party because she couldn't be in church. You are in church. What better place than church than for repenting sinners to come? 
What better place than church to touch the hem of his garment? And then we think, what are people going to think about me? I'll tell you what we're going to think. This is normal. That's what we're going to think. We ought to normalize whipping sinners back to Calvary. Jesus came anyhow because he would take any place you gave him. He never, he never complained about being in the corner. He never complained about being unattended. He never complained about his dirty feet. He was happy to come because he was invited. He would take any place you gave him. You may stand tonight and say, I accept him as my savior. He will take that. You can come to the altar. He will take that. You can decide, I'm just going to sit in my seat. He will take that. You can say, I won't say anything. I'll just say it in my heart. He will take that. But he deserves the best you can give. So if you can make a public declaration that he is your savior, that is the best you can give him. Because if you're not ashamed of him tonight, he will not be ashamed of you then. Jesus sees this woman coming, and he looks at her, he's a prophet, and he sees this dark shadow over her, and he knows she's a sinner. Vision breaks forth, he sees her life, and he's watching, but he lets her come. She weeps, she cries, she worships, she kisses his feet. Then Simon gets upset because somebody in the church has stood up. Simon gets upset because somebody decided to cry out to the Lord. Simon gets upset because in the church people lift up their hands and worship. And Jesus said, gives him a parable and say, who loveth much? He says, I guess to him they forgave the most. He said, you have judged right. He says, I came upon your invitation. You didn't worship me. You didn't wash my feet. You didn't anoint my head with oil. But this woman says, she hasn't stopped. As he's speaking, she is still doing it. As the preacher is preaching, you're still doing it in your heart. Oh, God. And Jesus turns back to her. As she was worshiping, he's watching her. He's saying, oh, it's turning lighter. That dark shadow is turning lighter. As she worshiped, it turned a little bit more lighter. He said, let me wait a little bit until it's completely light. She kept worshiping. As you worship, that darkness in your life turns light. That depression is going away slowly because you're starting to respond to the word. Maybe you're not saying amen from your lips, but something in your heart is saying that is true. That is the beginning of that darkness turning into light. When she was done worshiping, Jesus was done talking to Simon. He turns to her and it's all light. Glory. The darkness is gone. He said, thy sins, which are many, are forgiven. Oh, hallelujah. I want my sins forgiven. Hallelujah. Thy sins, which are many, are forgiven. Because she loved much. So she was forgiven. Because she worshipped. Her sins were forgiven. We don't have any record of that woman even saying a prayer. All she did was respond to a window of opportunity. Perhaps tonight, you don't even have to say a prayer. But if you can respond to your window of opportunity, you will receive forgiveness of your sins. Oh, Brother Reed standing there, you're forgiven of your sins. Brother Roy, you're forgiven. Brother Ray, Gabe, Angelica, Joseph, everybody here who's responding, you're forgiven. Hallelujah. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. 
Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, I bless your name, Lord. Oh, I bless your name, oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, hallelujah. Musicians, why don't you come? He doesn't have dirty feet tonight, but he has nail-scarred feet. You can come and kiss his nail-scarred feet and come and kiss his nail-scarred hands because Christ is the ultimate window of opportunity for God so love the world that he opened a window of opportunity through his son, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, God, I don't even know where to go from here. Last Wednesday, I was sitting in the back there. I prayed a prayer, a money prayer meeting, something I needed the Lord to deal with me on. And I listened to a tape or a sermon that Wednesday night. And I prayed on my way to church, Lord, speak to me through Brother Michael. I came to church, and he spoke on unhindered. And I was able to recognize my window of opportunity. And I took it, and God dealt with me, and God rewarded me, because I took my window. Take your window tonight. Since we're speaking of a window, I will give you your window. If you need Jesus Christ, come to the altar. I'll give you a window. Take it. If you need a reconsecration, this is your window to be refilled with the Holy Ghost. Take your window. If you're battling with a spirit that you need to break free from, I'll give you a window. Take it. If you need deliverance from some unclean habits that you can't seem to overcome, I will give you a window. Take it. If you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, here's your window. Take it. If you want to baptize even tonight, I'm pretty sure they'll accommodate and baptize you in the water. Take your window. He wants to get baptized. Talk to Brother Tom. If you're backslidden and you've made a step towards God, but you're not fully finished and you need to come to a full surrender, take your window in the name of the Lord. I beckon you to take your window. If you're feeling cold in your experience with the Lord and you need a touch from God so that He can put fire in your bosom, take your window. If you're brokenhearted and you need healing, take your window. If you're wounded in your spirit by hurt, by plagues, by complexes, by questions, take your window tonight. If you're worried about what family will say, what friends will say, about your lifestyle, take your window. what it's like you know what it's like to miss an opportunity don't miss tonight it's your opportunity don't miss it don't miss it it won't cost you anything
but to come to him he will take you with open arms take your window of opportunity Is there an old soldier that's weary and tired who needs to receive strength tonight? Say, Lord, I've waxed cold a little bit. I need you to put more fire in me. I've been this for a long time, but I'm getting a little bit colder. Perhaps my wife is not noticing. Perhaps my children don't notice. But Lord, here's my window of opportunity. Let me take it. There's a window. Here's a window. Take your window. Perhaps somebody in the back of here, I don't know. I just have to call anywhere I can. I have to give each one of you an opportunity. If there's a window for you that's open up, why don't you come and take your window before this window closes? I understand the value of this opportunity. I understand the labor that went into it. I understand what God has done for you to receive this opportunity. Hallelujah. Take your opportunity in the name of the Lord. Don't look at me. Look at God. Forget me. I'm nothing. He is everything. Take your opportunity. Oh, hallelujah. Father, I hope you're pleased tonight. I've done my best, oh God. I've labored in prayer, Lord. In study, not knowing how this service will go. By following your leadership, Lord. Being insecure in my own personality by yielding to you that somebody might receive a window of opportunity tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Since we have to normalize these meetings, this is the most appropriate place to have an encounter with God. This is not in the workplace. This is not at some party. This is in the house of God where it should be normal to whip your way to Calvary. Take your opportunity. How precious are your tears? How precious are your feet tonight that led you to this altar? How precious are those hands that you lifted up before God? He will not reject your prayer. You worshiped. You desire this. God will not put it on my heart if you didn't desire it. This is your window. Take your window of opportunity. Perhaps you need deliverance from some complexes. This is your window. We heard about depression last Wednesday. Perhaps it's still something you're battling with. Come and lay it down once and for all and take your window. He breaks every chain. He set the captives free. Maniac was set free. Legion was cast out. She received forgiveness for her sins. If you want to be forgiven, receive the forgiveness. Perhaps you're carrying the weight of your sins. And your sins are so heavy upon you. You don't think anybody can love you in your condition. You don't think anybody can understand you. Put your brethren at his feet. Take your opportunity. Oh God, if this is my last time to stand behind this pulpit, then I gave it my best, Lord. I gave all I could do, not do what you can do. 
that the people of God tonight might take this window of opportunity and be set free, be healed, be saved, receive the Holy Ghost, receive forgiveness of sins, receive pardon. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is why church is for saints. This is why we pray. This is why we labor. This is why we fast. This is why we study. This is why we worship. This is why we consecrate ourselves. That somebody might get a window of opportunity. And one of these days, that last one will come in. Because a window of opportunity will be opened up for that person. And we will go into rapture. Break every chain tonight, Lord. Break every chain, Lord. Receive our worship. Receive our repentance tonight. As we worship, as we kiss your nail-scarred feet, oh, as we wash them with our tears, as we give you the first place, for you are worthy of our best. Receive us tonight, Lord, as we welcome this opportunity, as we take our window.
God. Here is your answer. This window of opportunity is given you. It is proof of His love to you.
so just worship Satan. Hallelujah. It will never, never see the receive knock and it shall be open ask knock and seek oh just worship the Lord God is visiting his people saints of God if I look at our watch people say oh it's too long it's too long listen we're we had another hour and we're still in the prayer meeting we'd still be in the prayer meeting isn't that right brother Jason it's only 9 30 10 30 we start to shut her down this is, a, this is a house of the Lord. People don't want to worship. Well, time to go home then. If you want to stay and worship, I just say, lift up your hands. Glorify him and let him break every chain. Amen. And he's breaking chains even now. I loved how Brother Jean said it doesn't matter how it is. If you just want to kneel at your, at your chair, you want to stand at your feet, you want to bow and open up your heart, he'll break that chain tonight. Give him the opportunity. Just give him the opportunity. You wouldn't surprise me, Michael, if you just started to shout and glorify God. Amen. Break every formality. 
Amen. To worship the Lord. People are dying in their seats. We've got to do it this way, and it's got to be this way, and it's got to be this way. Well, the word's got to be this way. And we have to just water the seed. That's what we're doing. Amen, amen.
Our dear, wonderful, heavenly Father, we have rejoiced in the presence of God tonight. We've heard the word, and the word has thrilled our souls. We're thankful for the gifts that you're placed within the body. We're thankful for Brother Jean and how the word thundered out tonight, Lord, and our hearts were ringing, singing, rejoicing in the goodness of God, knowing we have seized our opportunity. And how many regrets as their prophet said, if I just opened that door of hell for a minute, how many would come out and say, I regret I did this. I regret I did this. I regret I did this. But Lord, we have no regrets. We seize the moment. We seize the opportunity. Just like the thief on the cross. They missed the Lamb of God and redemption's price paid. But there was a thief in that closing moment, Lord, said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Lord, what a response you gave back today. You will be with me in my Father's kingdom. I trust there's many seized the opportunity tonight. Every chain broken. Lord, if there's been the lost, may they've been saved. If they've been bound, may they be set free. If they're sick, may they be healed. Because the healer's here. The mighty God is present. We love you. We thank you for the presence of God and the assembling of the saints and those that are on the U.S. side. I'm sure that the presence of God that is here is in their homes. Pray, God, you'll strengthen our pastor and his wife tonight and everyone that couldn't be here, Lord, to rejoice. I know they're rejoicing in their home so father would you go with us as we ponder now not only the worship the praise but may we ponder on the word that we heard that we think on these things and lord give you the glory go with us now we pray in jesus name amen amen well i'm sort of loving that little song as we go our way he's been so good He's just been so good. Why don't we just sing that as we get? Hmm? No. The goodness of God? Oh. <laughs> Throwing all these at you, Brother Ben. I wonder if you have been so.
can sing that.